All right, it is time again, that Wednesday special lawyer talk time again, November 3rd, 2021. Uh, again, it's Wednesday. We got the Blitz interface coming soon. Uh, we got Norm here in the studio helping us out with the Blitz and other topics. Norm, how are you doing this morning? Norm, the former law student, but never a lawyer, Murdoch is doing fine. Good see, morning. Yeah, see where I come from. That's just enough to make Norm dangerous in the <laughs> legal arena. Yes, it is. Uneducation uh, is definitely a danger in this particular situation. So always defer to Steve. Ignore everything I say. Uh, hardly, hardly. No, the reality is uh, having a legal education, I think, is uh, is a great education to have. It teaches you how to think critically. It teaches you how to assess situations and really unravel, unwind almost anything you encounter, except I think they're starting to screw up the legal education these days. Starting? So when I was in law school... Um, the graduation uh, speaker, the guest speaker, finished, uh, she, she graduated last in her class at the University of Cincinnati, and she was now uh, coming back to UC to give the uh, commencement address. She was the CEO of one of the top cosmetic companies in New York City, and she came back with a message that most graduating lawyers, this is back in the 80s, um, uh, law students, not lawyers. Most graduating law students would not practice law. Uh, more than half would go on to some other type of career. And uh, in my case, she was 100% correct. And in her case as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because then I think later on, sort of when I graduated law school, I talked to uh, some human resources people. I had a buddy who was in human resources and uh, they looked upon resumes that had law degrees but non-practicing lawyers with a little bit of um, concern because they were like, well, there must be something wrong with this person. He went to law school and uh, not practicing law. So uh, they it almost got shipped to a different pile. And I, and I said, look, you're crazy, man. You're, you're, you've got an awesome resource there. You've got somebody who's capable of all sorts of uh, – all sorts of critical thinking, and you're just putting him in, in the uh, no-go pile because he's not practicing law. Yeah, the, the great thing about a legal education, in, at least in my opinion, is the real training is not so much you walk out of there being a knowledgeable lawyer, but you know you're trained on how to go get answers to questions. And that is, so you spend three years being taught how to go ferret out answers and how to present an argument, sometimes you have to present, like in moot court, you have to present opposing arguments. One day you're this guy, the next day you're, you're on the prosecution. So, you know, um, you learn how to craft an argument to serve your client or, you know, in, in, in your scenario there, Steve, the company that the HR department is serving. So, um, no, I think, uh, non-practicing lawyers, Besides driving trucks and running bars, um, they're they're a fantastic resource for almost any kind of company. Yeah, and well, look, even even driving trucks, running businesses, doing whatever. I think if like anything mechanical, if you have, if you are trained to think through problems, then uh, you can at least identify what the problem is and then call the right person or deal with almost anything. And uh, and and that is the art of critical thinking that is quickly. Uh, uh, becoming abandoned. Sure. Well, I was listening to Mike Rowe yesterday and, uh, I thought about driving trucks. He said, right now there's a hundred thousand 
truck driving slots open if you have a CDL. And like you could just walk in, you probably make a hundred thousand dollars, eighty hundred thousand dollars right now if you got a CDL doing uh, deliveries. That there is such a shortage, and it's because getting a CDL has become way harder than it used to be. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why. Well, like anything, probably if I if I could guess why it's harder to get a CDL is because now there's become a uh, regulatory scheme. Yes. That uh, that deals with it. And, you know, like all good intended things, they have adverse consequences, which is what Mike Rowe loves to point out, is that uh, you can't just look at it. Never, never, there's almost always multiple causes for a certain outcome. And it's never one thing. So you can't just say, well, we're going to standardize the CDL classes and that's going to give us better CDL drivers. What's going to happen is the people who are good CDL drivers are probably not going to bother to go get certified and get the class. So they're never going to be CDL drivers. Instead, you're going to try to train up the people who have nothing else to do, so they're going to go to CDL school, and they don't have the natural affinity, ability, or whatever to become CDL drivers. Now, I'm speculating. I have no facts to back this up. No, you're you're pretty you pretty much uh, yeah you pretty much nailed what he had to say. Yeah, that would be my hypothesis on it, and um, you'd be right. Because look, there's like how many how many uh, people that worked on farms uh, that worked in in just grew up that way know how to back up a trailer, like. Right. And then if you took anybody else who's otherwise a good driver that never had to do that and said, all right, back up this boat down a boat ramp. Yeah. Me being one of them. It was very difficult for me to learn that. Yeah. Um, and because I didn't grow up as a kid doing it. And so then you've got the pressure, the stress, whatever. But if you get a kid in the farm, it's like, I can drive a truck. I've been doing it since I've been 15 or 13 with grandpa, you know. Right. But I'm sorry, you have to go get this class. You're like, yeah, right. screw that. I'll stay here on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to do that. Yeah, um, right. But no, uh, Jared and I were talking about doing this, getting, uh, like he bought that dually. Yeah. We were talking about uh, getting a big flatbed or getting a car hauler and starting, and, I, and I'm I'm seriously considering it myself. I mean, you could do lawyer talk or other kind of podcasts from the road, right? Yeah. You, you don't have to be in a physical location, although 511 Studios is, folks, it is a fantastic facility. But, um, yeah, you, you could still do most of what you do, you know, from the cab of a truck or from a hotel room. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Easily. Um, uh, it you know, may not sound quite as good, but, no. uh, it'd be five eleven studios on the road. And Jared did that. He's got that trailer. He's got the uh, camper and he was going to go, uh, and explore the world. I think we should talk about Jared. So I got the HIPAA clearance from his wife, Shorty last night. She called me late. Um, she probably called Steve. She probably called, you know, so I'm not special. He, she, she probably called 40 of his friends and she said it would be okay for us to announce that Jared is, uh, scheduled and knock on wood, it happens to come home from, uh, the hospital where he's undergoing, uh, physical therapy, uh, mid month. Uh, so middle of, uh, November, uh, he'll be able to come home. Uh, his home is being remodeled so that, uh, you know, he can, he can move around physically. He, he still has some, uh, some physical trauma that he's overcoming, but, uh, his speech is orders of magnitude better. Um, uh, he is doing self-deprecating humor, making fun of himself, how he looks and all that kind of thing, which is such a great sign that his personality is bubbling back. And, uh, uh, he has, uh, possibly, um, uh, going to do some lifestyle changes 
that are not for me to announce. That'll be up to Jared. I, I don't want to I don't want to jump to that because he's in a compromised state right now. He needs to think through those things. But he has some exciting things that he may want to do with his life. And uh, it is kind of a rebirth when you almost die. Um, I've been through that. And uh, I know what that what kind of uh, opportunity and doors that that opens um, mentally. It it just makes you reassess your life. So God bless Jared and Shorty. it truly is a miracle. Uh, all of your prayers, uh, listeners to this podcast, and all of Jared's friends and people that never met Jared uh, that prayed for him. Uh, God bless all of you, and uh, you know, praise the Lord because He had mercy on Jared. He literally is coming back from the dead. Well, you know, it is such good news. And just to put some perspective on that, it's like there was a time, you know, he's been in the hospital now over 60 days, I think. And, uh, it was, uh, we weren't announcing it on the air. We weren't uh, saying it out loud, but I know you and I both had a a lot of concerns about, uh, what was going on. I know his family, his, his uh, parents and shorty, we all kept positive and we all kept praying. And, uh, I, you know, I, I had an early revelation on this thing, I think I even I, I texted Shorty and, and even you, Norm, is like, you know, I just feel like this is all going to be okay. And I and not only felt like it, I felt strongly, like I, like it was ingrained in me. And I, you, you know, did, you did. I remember that you did. You were more positive than maybe anybody else. And well, I, I went down after that a couple of times. I don't want to say all that, but it, it's not. It just I felt good about it, and I think it is God. I think there is a. Uh, I as I said to Shorty, and and I, I think we all agreed is that it's not. Uh, God wasn't ready for him uh, <laughs> no, and, and has, no. has some plans for him. And yeah. if you knew Jared or know Jared, uh, not new, but if, you, if you've had an opportunity to get to know Jared in your life, then you know this. He is a man that has the ability to influence people in, in enormous ways. I mean, he just really, really uh, does good things for and with uh, people. And he, he's just a, he's got that kind of personality that people want to follow. And, you know, as I've always uh, seen in life that you can use that power for good and you can use that power for evil. And, and Jared, by and large, uses it for good. And I think here, that's what uh, God has in store for him. I mean, there's, there's a message here that's there. And uh, it's certainly impacted my faith in a very positive way. And, uh, and I think yours too, Norm, and, and a lot of people that were around it. I mean, even the story about how all this thing went down and how he was saved, um, uh, on the side of the road. It really is. It's, it's remarkable. It is remarkable. And, uh, look forward to the day that, uh, Jared maybe can, uh, you know, come, come on the airwaves here, come on the podcast again, even if it's, uh, maybe the first couple of times, uh, 10, 20 minutes, whatever he's able to do. Uh, but won't that be a great day, Steve? Oh, it just, uh, that'll be a great day. I, I, I can't wait. As I told Shorty, I just can't wait to talk to my friend again, yeah. not in the hospital yeah. and not in this situation, you know, just, yeah. uh, uh, really, really, uh, good news coming our way on that. And, yeah. And you know, you and I talked yesterday, we had an opportunity to talk to him on the phone. He was calling his friends, <laughs> which, you know, that, that, like you said, he was, he was, he, he was calling his friends and it came on Shorty's number and I get this call and I was like, Hey brother. And I was like, Holy crap, Jared's back. Yeah. You know, the bullfrog voice, the whole thing. It was, yeah. I mean, it was his, it was his same, you know, effect. It, it was, it was just vintage Jared. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just fabulous. And, uh, you know, um, it, 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 
not right for me to you know go a little further, but let's just say, um, and I think anybody who's been in a bad accident can understand this. It just takes a while for all those neurons to reconnect and 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 for all those you know synapses to to start firing again. So um, you know, right now his personality is bubbling back. Uh, his memories are bubbling back. He he asked about the accident. He asked about his businesses. He asked about this podcast. Uh, so he's reconnecting. Now, I, I'm a little offended. He asked about the podcast last, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know. This should have been the number one thing on his mind. Well, uh, so, I mean, it's just it's just great news. So, uh, you know, um, the, the nature and God are putting Jared back together again, and, and the rest of us are just in awe of the process. Yeah, so. maybe the best way to put it, we can leave it at that. Yes, so. sir. Well, uh, a couple things coming up today. We've got uh, the Blitz, of course. We're going to interface with them momentarily, so we're going to take a break then to uh, to do that. Uh, well, not really a break, but we're going to we're going to jump right into that. Uh, and then after, uh, as always, we're going to take some questions. Afterwards, we'll do some discussion about it. A couple big things going on while uh, while we're waiting. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is in full force. Yesterday or Monday was jury selection voir dire. Uh, yesterday was uh, they started on the testimony. Uh, lots of stuff going on there. Uh, anybody who wants to get a little primer on self-defense, self-defense law, and Rittenhouse specifically, uh, check out the Lawyer Talk podcast I did. I interviewed a guy named Andrew Branca, uh, really a, a, a lawyer, a nationally renowned expert in the area of self-defense, does commentary on all sorts of uh, cases, has been involved consulting on many, many big cases that you know about, uh, is quoted often in the news and, and other things, and he was uh, kind enough to stoop to our level and talk to us uh, here at Lawyer Talk. Uh, great interview. Andrew Bronca, check it out. It's uh, lawyertalkpodcast.com. You can get it. Uh, or at Apple or Google, wherever the hell you get podcasts. I don't know. Well, however that works. Uh, the other thing that's going on, Norm, is I've started a Lawyer Talk legal breakdown series where I come in here uh, on the way into work. I'll think, you know, there's an interesting topic going on in the world. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to give it the legal breakdown. Maybe I'll even dance while I do it. But it's... Uh, I'll address and sort of simplify what what often is confused in the legal arena. So this morning I did a couple breakdowns, one on jury selection and voir dire because not necessarily geared directly towards Rittenhouse, but using that as a, as a model, uh, and then another on opening statements and really what that means. And these are like five to ten minute bites on these topics so I can break it down and uh, simplify it uh, in, in easy to digest chunks. So anybody's interested in those, check it out. You'll get it where you get this feed anyway. Uh, spread the word because great stuff happening. And the slogan I'm, I'm starting to develop is, uh, I like to make things simple and almost everything can be made simple. That's the breakdown. Other thing that's going on, Lawyer Talk Q&A. So uh, I get a lot of questions. We're starting to get them on uh, lawyertalkpodcast.com website, little tidbits of questions. And I'm dropping the answers, so I will address your questions on Lawyer Talk Q&A, again, in these little bite-sized chunks designed to make it digestible without having to listen to us drone on and on and on and on here on the main show. Not that this isn't awesome. It is. I think our billions of worldwide listeners reflect that. But uh, if you don't have time, I understand, or you want to get your uh, your legal fix, uh, you can check out those two sort of mini-series that, uh, that I'm doing in the studio. And, you know, it's sort of funny, Norm. It's like you were talking about Jared's recovery. It's like there's always good that comes from bad. And this is a theme I think I'm going to explore a little bit after we talk to the Blitz. But, you know, you get knocked down your backside. Um, you get the rug pulled out from under you. You get um, 
punched in the nose or you get fired from your job or uh, you get an F in science and you, like, what do you do now? You know, like, what are you going to do now? I remember uh, that was a Bo Schembechler quote. You know, you just got knocked on down. You just lost. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Um, and it's, um, it, it is amazing when you let it happen, uh, if you have to endure those kind of adversities, what emerges after that is almost always good, almost always something that you never would have expected or ever thought you would do, and it gives you a way to advance. So uh, that is the, uh, that's the notice for the Blitz, so here we go. All right, Steve Palmer is with us. We have uh, some questions via text at 99700. Uh, Steve, how are you today, man? I'm doing great. How, how are you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. Doing pretty good, man. So we'll uh, we'll start here on text. Yeah, okay. Uh, please keep this anonymous. Question for Steve. My wife works for the county, and they are, what are they, giving incentives to people to get the shot by offering them $1,000 bonuses. So the vaccine, yeah. For full vaccination. Is that okay since it's a taxpayer-funded organization? I'm not super thrilled that our tax dollars are being used to bribe people to get the shot. Same as Mike DeWine and the bad a million. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the lottery. The, the, the vax a million. Oh, yeah. the vax. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's just by text, guys. So, yeah. you know, people have auto text. <laughs> Is it okay? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think it's uh, horrible, awful, uh, and there's nothing I don't think we're ever going to be able to do about it. It's happened. I, I, the vax a million thing. Uh, I was I would joke it'd be like well that sounds like it's discriminatory or there's an equal protection problem because if you didn't get the shot you're not eligible to win uh, and here uh, it's favoring uh, county employees over non-county employees it's favoring those who get the shot over those who don't get the shot um, and maybe there's a, a constitutional equal protection problem because there is government action but the reality of it is it's probably never going to pan out that way it's never going to uh, really materialize so I don't like it either um, now I'm not uh, we were talking about this in the studio before we started. It's like, uh, am I an anti-vaxxer or not an anti? It's, that's not the right question. I am a. I'm a here's here's what I was instructed to say, and I think it is absolutely correct. I'm a libertarian on this. I think everybody ought to choose if um, they get the uh, vaccine or not get the vaccine based on their own individual circumstances, and uh, the government shouldn't uh, get involved in that decision making. So, uh, I, I the answer is I don't think it's okay. I also don't think anything, at least anytime soon, is going to happen to stop it. So I uh, I overheard a, a conversation uh, the other day, Steve, and I brought brought it uh, here to the radio, and we kind of discussed it yesterday on the show. It's not really like a, a huge legal issue, but you know there there is some legality in there, and we just wanted clarification on a topic. So if someone is babysitting, right? Yeah. How many kids can you babysit until you have to declare yourself as a daycare? I don't know. I'm sorry, I, I, but I think there is a rule there on uh, how this works. I think, uh, you know, I when I when my kids were very young, we used a private uh, gal who did an awesome job, and she had uh, I don't know how many kids, a dozen or so, probably day in and day out. Uh, I don't know where the curves cross. It may have to do with um, uh, the frequency and how much you're getting paid, or whether or not it's a job. I I, I don't know, um, but I'm sure there is a standard there, and I'm sure it's readily. Uh, you could research it probably pretty easily, uh, and it's going to have uh, something to do with uh, the regulatory scheme. 
uh, on daycares. But if uh, if somebody wants a firm answer, we could probably get it. We could probably do some uh, quick legal research and figure it out, or you can do it yourself. Again, it's probably it probably relative to the regulatory scheme on daycares in Ohio. All right, here's another one. Good morning. I moved in with a girl last year, and like a dummy, put both of our names in the lease. To make a long story short, she works full time but doesn't help pay any bills, including rent. I've asked her to leave, but she won't. I don't want to have to lose the apartment because she can't afford to live there without my income. What, if anything, can I do legally to make her leave? Boy, this is a tricky one because she's on the lease. She has every right to be there, just like uh, this uh, questioner has every right to be there. So how do you sort all that out? Well, um, you guys are both going to be individually responsible for the whole, meaning you both are responsible for the entire lease amount, the payment and, and any damage or whatever is caused because you're jointly and severally liable. That's the legalese or the fancy talk for it. But it really means that you're both on the hook. Um, now, could you uh, kick her out and, uh, and, and maybe uh, because you guys have your own individual agreement or contract on how you're going to handle the contract that you signed with the landlord, but again, that's not going to relieve your obligation to pay the lease and uh, whatever other obligations you have on that lease. So it gets really, really dicey. I mean, all I can say is at some point, if there's any good news, a lease term will expire and you can do something different. But until then, uh, it may be more trouble than it's worth. I would have to know more. I would have to know the amount you're paying, uh, how long the lease is, and uh, and really what is the uh, what's the the situation with the individual personal relationship because. You know, you don't. It, it it sucks being miserable, and often people are living in misery because they're not getting along with the person they're living with. So all those uh, factors have to go into the milkshake. I'd be happy to help talk you through it. Six one four two two four six one four two. All right, cool. Uh, we have uh, more texts coming in at ninety nine seven hundred. Yeah, I've been working from home since two thousand nineteen, uh, March of, but my employer is still taking city taxes for my home address and the city where they're located out of my check. The state. Oh, that's a good question. They state this is okay, even though I haven't set foot in that city for well over a year. Yeah, how does that work out, Steve? Like here at the Blitz, like we're in Marble Cliff, so we pay like a Marble Cliff tax. Like, what if we weren't coming here every day? Yeah, that's going to be a great question for an accountant. Um, I suspect that uh, if it's happening, it's happening for one of two reasons: either a, nobody's ever done anything to notify the uh, the state uh, Department of Taxation. Uh, to change it, uh, or two, that they're allowed to do it for some reason that uh, none of us are, are quite familiar with right now. But this is a question that I would call up uh, my accountant, Glenn Harper, and I would say, I got a question for you, man. What happens here? And I think it has something to do with RITA, uh, the Regional Income Tax Association, maybe. Uh, I hate yep. Rita. She's terrible, but uh, that's... Um, I thought you were talking about Rick's ex-wife. So Rita, <laughs> that's an act. Okay, good. All right. That's yeah, good so, news. Uh, there's probably an answer out there. It's just uh, that is a taxation question that is beyond my uh, expertise. All right. Uh, here's one. Um, I have full custody of my three kids. Their mom does have some visitation. There's nothing in our divorce decree about vacations. I want to take them to Belize this year. Do Ooh, I have Belize, to notify the court? Sick since we're going out of the country. All right, so this is something that should have been addressed. I don't know if this is a shared parenting plan or something else. Uh, often this is something that is as a matter of boilerplate now, meaning it's almost always in every agreement what happens and what's what happens on vacations. Uh, I think if, if there's nothing there and it defaults to, uh, to just what it should be, 
you probably have to notify the other side if you're taking the kids out of the country. Um, but again, it's not required. So nothing is stopping you. Nothing is permitting it. It's one of those gray areas. Uh, it, 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 hopefully but this he has is, full custody. He has full custody. Well, I would do it. if he's got full custody, so these are terms that need to be defined. Everybody says, well, I got custody uh, and the other side doesn't. Well, there still could be a shared parenting plan where you may have uh, more parenting time, meaning they live with you full time, but decision-making and other legal, uh, I guess, legal and, and practical school health decision-making might be shared for both. So having full custody could mean that you make all the decisions and you have the kids. It could mean you make all the decisions and you have the kids some of the time, uh, or it could mean uh, something in the middle of all that. So we need to see the decree and the orders to know. Uh, and then I could give you a better answer. But if it is true that you have full custody in the sense that you have custodial rights to make all the decisions, um, you're the person in charge, and the other side doesn't have any say-so in that stuff, then it's going to be a better argument for you that you can do what you want with the kids. So it's interesting, man. Belize. I knew you were looking. Are you looking at vacations? Yeah, yeah. Belize. Dude, Belize <laughs> has a barrier it's, reef. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, dude. You know, the scuba diving and snorkeling there. But the bad news is Belize is on a level four do not travel list. So they're yeah. saying don't travel to Belize due to COVID-19, but also exercise extreme caution. Belize, there's violent crimes, sexual assault, home invasions, armed robberies, and murder that are that are occurring even during daylight hours. I mean, that's not the beach vacation I was looking for no. exactly. Yeah, All they, right. I think you just gave <laughs> the other side the argument there. So, And now I meant to bring that up. It's a great point. It's like you have to decide where you're going to. It's like if you're leaving the country and going to like a war zone, the courts are going to be less likely to side on your side there. It's like the standard with all child custody things is what is in the best interest of the kids, not what is in the best interest of the parents, what's in the best interest of the children. You guys are so smart to look at that up because Kelly and I already packed our bags and are like boarding a plane. Well, Belize <laughs> traditionally is known as a very safe place for uh, Americans to travel. They speak, cruise ships go there all the time. Right, well, they yeah. speak English in Belize. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tons of questions coming in still. I have a family living with me for over two years. They do not pay rent or help me with utilities. We never made a lease agreement. They receive their mail at my house, so I'm not sure if they are considered squatters or residents. Do I have to evict them, or can I make them leave without involving the courts? Well, I guess this all depends. If you ask them to leave and they say, no, we're going to stick around because uh, we're living here now, you're going to probably have to evict them. This is a landlord-tenant question that uh, there, there's going to be a quick answer, but the easiest way through these problems is there's some agreement that they're going to you just they, they move out at X date. To the extent that doesn't happen, you can't just put their stuff on the curb because now they're living there. They've established residence. And even though there is no signed lease, even though there's no signed agreement, uh, there are going to be implied legal terms here, meaning uh, the court's going to default to a month-to-month -month type agreement. And uh, that's that. And to get them out of that, you're going to have to go through eviction process. Now, the good news is uh, it's not that difficult. It's, nobody likes to go to court and deal with this kind of crap. But uh, it's not an impossible chore to deal with. The bad news is you probably have to deal with it. Uh, so again, like any other dispute of this nature or, or legal dispute, man, it's always easier if you can just come to some agreement before you involve the authorities. But short of that, uh, you're probably going to have to evict them. All right. Uh, here's a question. Anonymous. Speaking of daycare, I have been working in childcare for six years. We have some violent children that we deal with on the daily. And I have time a child gets hurt or a child hurts another, we have to fill out behavior forms. Mm. 
and incident reports. It has come to my attention and a few other staff members that our director is not giving parents the incident reports that are supposed to be signed by the parent and saved and filed. Is that illegal? Well, probably. Um, again, we have to sort of figure out what's what do we mean by illegal. There's probably a regulatory scheme that requires a daycare to do this. They probably have to uh, fill out incident reports and maintain them and to the extent that it requires parental notification, they have to do that. I mean, look, these are the kind of things, these are the issues that are emerging across the country. What is the parental involvement in uh, education and daycare, particularly that supplied by the government uh, or publicly? And uh, these are issues that uh, I think are going to continue to evolve as uh, the litigation uh, marches on. Uh, I think that if I'm a daycare facility, uh, it seems it seems like I, if I had to guess, I would say they probably have to keep the incident report. It, there probably has to be some notification uh, of at, at least to authorities on certain types of things and uh, even to the parents, too. So, um, you know, and what I mean by the authorities on certain type of things, you know, any allegation of child abuse, any allegation of sex abuse, any allegation uh, of that sort to a individual who is a, quote, mandatory reporter. That would be like a teacher, daycare worker, or social worker, or doctor. Uh, if they hear some allegation of sex abuse or child abuse, uh, the law requires them to make a report to the authorities. Um, and usually that goes to Child Protective Services or even the local police. So I would, uh, I'd be cautious about it. I would research it and figure it out. But um, yeah, my guess is there's got to be some notification. Now, Sean wants everyone to know that he's headed to Belize on the Danny Wimmer cruise tour. Oh, that's cool. Oh. I mean, yeah, listen, I don't believe all those warnings anyway. <laughs> I like to live on the edge, man. <laughs> Dude, so when we first moved to Florida from uh, Ohio, my dad uh, worked at the bakery. You know, my dad was a plant manager at uh, this place called Holst Bakery. And so he had this dude that worked for him named Moses from Belize. Guy had more gold chains than Mr. T, right? He came out, gave me a gold chain one day from Belize. You believe this? Belizean gold, I believe it's called. Wow. My mom wouldn't let me take it. Oh. Man, because something like he was a drug dealer or something. I mean, it's gold chain, mom. <laughs> so strict. All right, Steve. Well, enough about me. Uh, do we have one more before you we know, end the segment we here? We do. The house I rent was sold to an investor and I was giving, I'm sorry, given an eviction notice. The new owner gave me two weeks to move. How can I extend this? Two weeks is not much time to find a place. They also said my deposit was given to the new owner and I have a feeling I won't be getting that back. Yeah, boy, this is, uh, this is dicey. Yeah, boy, that sucks. Here's, here's the thing. I would start like all these, uh, all these type lease questions, start with the paperwork, so read the agreement and see what happens. Most lease agreements will, t will address what happens if the premise is sold and how it's supposed to go down. And to the extent that that is in writing, and that's probably what the rules are going to be. If they are not following the rules or you were supposed to get a whole month or whatever the lease term would be, then maybe you can do something about it. Um, but if it says you, the new, uh, you have to get out in two weeks upon sale or something and you signed it, well, that'll probably uh, carry the day. Uh, now I'm saying probably, and maybe, and wishy-washy language because I'm not a landlord tenant lawyer. I don't, I, I don't know this stuff, uh, cold off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, I, I can probably, I slept at a holiday Inn last night. I can probably figure it out for you. So give me a yeah. shout 614-224-6142 and we'll get you a good referral. Man, they must have a good encyclopedia over there, something like that. All right, Steve Palmer, ladies and gentlemen, from Yabich and Palmer. He's my lawyer. 
could be yours if you call which number, Steve? Yeah, 614-224-6142. Put in your phone right now. If you get in trouble that way, all you got to do is hit send. Tell the police you're calling Steve Palmer. Dude, my guy, Steve Palmer. Steve Palmer. Each and every Wednesday right here on the show. Thanks, Steve. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Well, another uh, – that was a good set of questions, man. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, the only thing I can think of – let me pull this closer. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of is um, – and I know you can't give this advice, but this would be the advice if uh, – if if we were not if you were not on uh, uh, the radio, is it generally takes about three months to evict somebody? Yeah. So that that poor girl that is absolutely getting screwed on her two week notice, just stay there. Yeah, be a I mean, squatter. <laughs> just you know, like just just stay there in total defiance until you can get an apartment. So take a month, take a month and a half. I mean, in effect they're not going to do anything to her. I mean, they won't be able to, they could file the paperwork and it, it, it'll take them, it'll take them two months to even get it in front of a judge. I mean, that's the downside of being a landlord. And that's, what's really sad about, you know, your paw and maw kettle, you know, retail level landlords, not your corporate landlords, but just like, you know, people that rent out, you know, like maybe they invested in a four-unit apartment building in a small town, is those people, not only were they screwed by the Biden administration, right, because, you know, they can't collect rent but uh, for, for months and months during COVID, but they can't even get rid of, uh, the, as they give more rights to tenants, you know, the legislatures are always, you know, making it easier and easier for uh, tenants and as those rights have piled up, it's it's really difficult to evict somebody. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I remember Jared down here talking, and we were doing shows on this when they were proposing to put a moratorium on evictions and uh, landlords shouldn't be these evil, awful, uh, rich people kicking people out. And the, the perspective we gave is the one you just gave. It's like, look, I'm a landlord here in this building. I, I, I own this building, or at least I will in about, you know, 15 to 20 well, the, more years. The landlord could be making less per year than his tenants. Sure. I mean, where's, I don't even understand where the notion is landlord equals rich person who has all kinds of money and cash reserves. And I mean, some of these landlords are hand to mouth people like they're, they're scraping by. Yeah. So this was uh, I felt this in a very real way. Now, knock on wood here. Uh, I, the rents in my building still uh, came in. You know, we, 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 everybody scrapped by and everybody, we, we worked together. I gave people time when they needed it. And, uh, you know, we have all individual, we're all friends and we all know each other. And there's, uh, and this is another point I'm going to make based on that. But, you know, we were able to work it out. Yeah. But if, if everybody would have said, look, Biden says or DeWine says or whoever says, I don't have to pay rent. Wasn't it the CDC or it was some health related federal agency that actually issued that yeah it was two things it was on the it came out first and during trump in the cares act or something like that that got crammed in and then later on during biden the cdc yeah tried to take over uh the the notion and i think that was struck down i don't think it was uh it, it never got enforced or at least it was only enforced in a limited way but right or if it hasn't been struck down it will be but, uh, yeah, the notion that the Center for Disease Control is going to take over property rights, 
unreal, right? It is lunacy. Yeah. And, and your your point that landlords are these evil rich people uh, that uh, that just have all the money in a huge savings account is complete nonsense. Because right. you know, I know that uh, you know you can draw a big uh, egg shaped zero on your on your uh, paper for what I was making during the shutdown. And I'm saying, I mean, like no business, yeah. no benefits, yeah. no nothing, yeah. egg shape zero. Uh, and I had this building. Well, guess what? I own the building in like 20 years. I have a mortgage. Right. It costs uh, X dollars a month. You're upside down right now yeah. on this building. And, if people, and most, most landlords are. Most of them don't own that building outright. Yeah. They're making payments to some bank. Yep. And they're in, they're in serious jeopardy for their families. You and know, then, and food on their table. And, and it's not, you, you're exactly right. So it's like if, if you depend upon your rental property for your own livelihood and people aren't paying you rent, uh, nobody was saying, well, we're going to pay the landlord's money. <laughs> you know, we'll take care of them sideways. And it's like, no, it never happened. There is none. Because uh, they're all rich people, right? That's they're right. All, and yeah. they're, you know, and you, know you, you can go along with what the biases would be about who those people are. They're, right. It's big corporate America donors to Wall Street. And right. They're all white men and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like there's this mentality that instead of that we're truly the diverse country that we are, men, women, all kinds of colors, all kinds of backgrounds, we stereotype Everybody and the worst stereotypers of all are liberals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And it's um, it, it, the the notion that I could somehow absorb the the non-payment of rent on my end is, I mean, it's so patently offensive. Sure, that it's almost defies reasoning and logic. Except for this, and this was the point I was going to make from this, uh, and it just dawned on me as I was explaining it to you. I was able to work it out with my individual tenants because we know each other. Yeah. And we have for years. Yeah. And be like, all right, look, I know you're hurting. I got a case over here. Why don't you work on this? And, yeah. you know, we'll figure it out or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I had some employees that uh, left, so I had to hire others. I was able to hire some people in the building. And we all made it work here locally wow. at the individual level. Right. Now, what's the difference? Because the CDC doesn't know a freaking thing no. about how I run this operation. Not a thing. No. Not a thing. No. And uh, to think that the, the arrogance of any administrator who has never owned any rental property, let alone rental property at 511 South High in Columbus, Ohio, can somehow manage this better than I can. Right. And I'm not even that good at it. Yeah. Is lunacy. Yeah. I'm going to suspend the collection of rents and I run the Centers for Disease Control. No. Unbelievable. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't even occur to a rational, normal human being th to even think like that. But it's a very Marxist idea sure. that there shouldn't be individual property ownership. Correct. Right. And that, yeah. that's really what that is. That's a sideways approach. Not even sideways. That's how they get to that, right? The government takes over property rights. Yeah. So they, when, they, when the government is doing that, when the federal government is doing that through some administrative agency that barely has a right to exist anyway, then uh, they're going to say, you can't. Uh, exercise your property rights, then uh, it is the beginning of the end. It is the beginning of the end. Well, S Steve, uh, is it okay to switch gears? Yeah, shift. Okay. It away. Uh, so we talked about um, you know the wonderful news involving uh, our compatriot uh, Jared Blinsky, um, who is uh, one of the founders of this podcast and and central to this podcast, um, which is great. 
unhappily, so we've talked about uh, doing a motorsports show, um, and I, I feel compelled to acknowledge a r- really young guy uh, from Columbus, a new, recent resident of Columbus, uh, was a mechanic and truck driver for uh, a local racing team, funny car drag racing team, Jim Head Racing. Uh, this young man uh, was driving their transporter to an event out west, I believe, uh, to Las Vegas, and then uh, was going to go on to, I think, Pomona for the world championships in uh, funny car drag racing. And um, unfortunately, uh, he was uh, on I-70 just west of Indianapolis uh, where construction had reduced the four lanes down to two opposing lanes. Somebody drifted over in the rain um, and hit his semi-tractor. He was hauling the team's uh, transporter with the car in it himself. Uh, luckily, no other people in the, in the truck with him. But he was the, the vehicle was destroyed, and he was uh, uh, killed uh, in, in this terrible wreck. His name is Dylan Cromwell, and uh, 23 years old, was much loved and uh, uh, died out there on the highway on I-70. And uh, it just uh, a, a real tragedy for, uh, I'm sure, uh, uh, the whole drag racing community. And, you know, I just feel compelled to mention that because, uh, of the Columbus connection. And, uh, um, so we're, we're reaching out to Jim head racing, all the people there and, uh, to the Cromwell family. Yeah. Boy, what a tragedy. Oh, yeah. uh, you just at such a young age. So, and you know, there's a, there's this tendency and we all do it where you hear something like that, or you, you, you see a blurb in the news or in the paper and it doesn't really register because it's like you don't even, it's just a, a quick little news story or, or black and white news story. And you're like, yeah, all right, whatever, somebody else died. But, yeah. you know, when you're going through, like what their family is going through, their team, their his family, what they're going through is like the worst, awfulest thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And yeah. Um, anybody who's ever lost somebody, a, a good friend of mine, in fact, uh, Jay Michael told me this, he's a probate lawyer. And, you know, in that line of work, you have to deal with people who have had tragic losses and uh, he asked uh, a, a young lady that came to see him, and she's like, and he says, "How you doing?" And she said she just felt like stopping at the corner of uh, Whittier and High and and screaming, "Don't you people know that I've lost my husband?" And, sure. You know, because it's like when you're living it, it is so real. It's all you can think of. It's all you can. Uh, you want to shout it to the universe. Yeah. That you're in agony. Yep. And absolutely. So thanks for bringing that up because that this is our way of saying. We the best we can understand, and we're praying for you. Yeah, you know? we we remember you, Dylan. Uh, you know, by by every report, you are a great guy, and uh, you know, um, and you're still a great guy. I'm sure. I'm sure your memory and your example uh, will serve as, uh, you know, uh, things that attribute that that your team will remember and your friends will remember. You'll be a talisman to them. So uh, that's all we can. I mean, when we're when we're gone, we're gone, and we just hope that the that we've done enough good things in life that those who that we live on in their memories. So twenty three years old, uh, just way too young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I do want to also. Uh, I I think we should talk a little bit about. So this is Victory Wednesday for uh, conservative values. 
um, with uh, the, the huge election results in Virginia and uh, possibly the state of New York. Uh, that governor race in New York is, excuse me, New Jersey is, um, is uh, neck and neck. And <laughs> being New Jersey, uh, something tells me that the, uh, the Democrats are going to discover a lot of uh, dead voters that uh, will put uh, uh, Governor Murphy over the top. So um, I just want to acknowledge, though, uh, uh, Steve, that, you know, what were those values that people voted for? Yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, real popular in Virginia right now are things like defunding the police, removing parents from the school curriculum decisions, uh, uh, identification by uh, unsure teenagers about which gender they are and which bathrooms and locker rooms they can use. Um, obviously, Virginians uh, support high gas and oil prices uh, as winter approaches, and they have those ridiculous commutes into the D.C. area because, after all, Virginia is basically, and Maryland, those are creatures of D.C., uh, like West Virginia is increasingly. Um, Virginia voters clearly support teaching kids that their skin color predetermines whether they're victims uh, for the rest of their life. They'll be victims or they'll be racists. And clearly, we determine that in this country now. Uh, popular willpower is that that's, you just look at somebody's skin and, and you see what color it is, and then you can figure out everything about them by skin color. That's so progressive. Um, and clearly, that's what Virginia voters voted for. And also, Virginia voters clearly voted for big government solutions uh, to, you know, even family decisions like things like uh, whether to get vaccinated or whether to go to a, a charter school. Uh, so um, we know we know definitely based. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. They voted the 180 degree opposite of all those things, didn't they, Steve? Yeah, that, that went the other way. And it's, uh, mm. you know, it's such a, it, the last election, uh, the Trump-Biden race, it, it just, uh, everything was vote for anybody but Trump. Yes. And I almost get the, you get the sense that the Biden, uh, it was supposed to be like, all right, let's just, at least we don't have to have chaos for a while. Um, we'll just vote for this guy and, and, you know, nothing, you know, it'll just be normal. Yes. And it's been nothing but normal. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, the, the school thing I think was sort of the final straw, um, where people were just like, hold on a second, this is public education. My taxpayer dollars are going towards it. And you're going to tell me I have no say so in what it is. And, uh, then when you do try to exercise your say so at the traditional town hall, uh, they're going to sick the FBI on you uh, through uh, like the federal government somehow going to get involved in that. And that I think that that just rubbed people so much the wrong way. Outrageous. Um, Outrageous. What Merrick Garland. Yeah. He couldn't even cop to. He couldn't even admit that four days after the White House got this letter, a badly written letter that the National School Board Association has now withdrawn. They formally withdrawn it after New Mexico, Ohio, and Pennsylvania's state school board associations have all left the national organization. Yeah. I think the national organization saw the writing on the wall that, oops, uh, we might have made a little boo-boo with that letter uh, describing parents as potential terrorists because they would like to have an energetic uh, conversation, not not a violent, not a, not a threatening one, 
But hey, are they allowed to raise their voices and go to a meeting and uh, stomp their feet? Well, yes. I mean, that is, I mean, gosh, that's democracy, right? Isn't that what Antifa and BLM do? So, I mean, you know, what, parents can't go to the uh, school board and, and, and talk about CRT? I mean, I, I saw a black father married to a white uh, mother describe the tragedy for their family of their children, their mixed-race children, think of Barack Obama, for example, half white, half black, in a classroom, and the teacher is going on and on about you white kids are predestined. You're, you're, it's ingrained in your DNA that you are racist just because you're white. And here's a kid who's half white, half black, has a daddy who's black, a mommy who's white, and, and, and how does that kid process that? Well, he can't or she can't because it's complete, total garbage. It is, it is the most ridiculous, racist, uh, anti-human, anti-civil rights thing you can be to say that your skin color determines who you are. And, and it goes against what Martin Luther King taught. It goes against even what Malcolm X believed in. And it, it, I've just never heard anything like that until, you know, here, here we are uh, in the modern progressive age. And it's like they're going back. It's like they're the new clan. And the rest of us have decided that we believe in a, in, 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 in a world that's, that we want to be colorblind. You know, and, 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 and we interact with people basically on, 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 uh, on their personalities and on their, uh, and on their abilities and on their uh, teamwork capabilities. And we could give a rat what their gender is or who they like to go to bed with or what color they are. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and you know, it was a, I, I like seeing this because I feel like this was a rejection of a lot of that, uh, that push that maybe on the far left, they thought, all right, since Trump is defeated, this means that the country wants this. And, you know, maybe on the far right, they thought since Trump was defeated, maybe the country really just doesn't want freedom anymore. And I think, you know, I texted you one time back in the summer, I was up at the Mid-Ohio uh, at the races. Mm-hmm. And I, te- I, test- I texted you and I was like, you know, this is refreshing. Like, there, there was no argument. There was all sorts of there were different races there, different sure. different types of people, different everything. Yeah. And I get it. It's not a complete cross-section of the country. But nobody was talking about politics. Nobody was talking about uh, race. Nobody was talking about all this crazy stuff. Yeah. They were just enjoying the day like Americans for a while. And you said something to me that, that sort of gave me some hope. It's like, you know, there is a great silent majority out there. And they just want to be Americans. They just want to be free. And, yeah. you know, this this election sort of says, all right not this far we're not we're not going there not this far and you know the other side's response to all of that leading up to it was only trump 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 look steve for me trump trump is an ass okay i mean listen his policies generally were 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 great policies he generally i would say he had about 80 percent right what was rejected in the in the trump biden race and i know there's a lot of people and i'm one who, who agrees with them that there were a lot of hijinks and games and, uh, and uh, things that were just downright illegal uh, and unprecedented, you know, even unconstitutional about the voting system, you know, like in Pennsylvania where 
the, the voting system was in complete contravention to what the Pennsylvania state constitution said it shall be. So, yes, I get all that. And so there are people who think, okay, Trump really won and, and, and all of that. But, you know, th- th- we are where we are. Biden's in the White House. So I think Trump lost the election basically because of the suburban female uh, vote. I, I think he grossed out a number. He, he just, he, just, just his affect, the way that he treated people, his, uh, his dismissive personality uh, about, you know, uh, this is hard to say, but I think he treated women just like he treats men. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of women hate that. They, they say they want equality, but a lot of women still want men to be deferential to them. So, for example, when Trump was debating Hillary, and he'd, he'd say, well, frankly, Hillary, if it was up to me, you'd be in prison. You know, those kinds of things. You, you, don't, you don't talk to a woman like that, right? You, you, you're supposed to be gentlemanly, and you're supposed to be... You're, you're supposed to use a little softer gloves. And so he doesn't have that. He, gosh, you know, he's an old crusty New York real estate guy, right? Who's, you know, who was in the casino business on top of it and, and runs a, and runs a, a a beauty pageant. So, so for God's sakes. So, you know, you gotta, like, what did Trump tap into, you know? And you know, we we had just come off an election with, it was Romney and Obama, I think, um, or not just, but that was the previous one. And, you know, they were telling Romney, they were accusing him of being this horrible racist who's going to oh. put you back in chains. I think right. Biden said that. Yes. And it's like, it was so far from the truth that it, it, it just... It, well, it's race baiting at its worst. Yeah. To, to go in front of, I believe that was in front of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And uh, I believe that's what that speech was where Biden said, you know, they're going to put you, and he, and he even used the Southern, you know, like put the, you all back. Yeah. yeah the plantation talk, like yeah. we going to put you all back in chains. Yeah. You know, we, what we got here is a failure communication, yeah. you know, and all that kind of, you know, which is just, it was, it's the worst kind of disingenuous, yeah. awful stuff, awful stuff. Now then, but it worked, right? Yeah, but it worked because Romney, for the same reason that he was not those things, didn't have the capacity to say, hey, go F yourself. Correct. You know? Right. You're an and asshole. McCain, and McCain didn't have the ability to say that to Barack Obama. Correct. And Dole, you know, yeah. I mean, same way. Dole, Dole lectured the Republican convention that, you know, if 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 you don't believe in diversity, you know, they're the exits. And, and you saw these Republicans looking around in the convention hall like, why is this guy talking to us, the party that emancipated yeah. the slaves? Yeah. <laughs> why, why? The party that voted for uh, the civil rights legislation, the party that uh, welcomed uh, you know, uh, the, the newly freed blacks into the party. Why would you say to the historically embracing party of, of black Americans, why would you tell us that we're that we don't think properly about diversity. That's ridiculous. Now, Republicans should have been reaching out to black folks way more than, you know, but they're terrible marketers. I mean, let's face it. Well, they they don't respond. Until yeah. Trump, yeah. nobody responded. That's correct. And and I, look, Trump, what, whatever he was. Well, uh, he got more black voters than any yeah. previous Republican president. 
he just he didn't and he just didn't take the the crap so if you yeah. called him right. a name yep. he called you that name and 10 more right um if you said something about him well he just came back right over the top steve it was the excess so he calls rosie o'donnell a pig right okay dude it's dude. awful dude you can't call right an obese woman a pig you can't you it's just I, it, it's, I, it's, you it's, can't, it's you can't do that it's just not right. Now, it, here's the problem. It's, it's not smart politics, but see, he's not a politician. And you're not going to retrain his brain. It's, he, he, he's unfiltered. He's spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. It just spews out. That, that's why his, that's right. his rallies, instead of any normal politician, those rallies would be 20, 25 minutes. He goes on for an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes. He can't stop, and his, his, his handlers can't handle it he just couldn't get out of his own way <laughs> the irony of trump is that whatever got him elected is what didn't get him elected the second time that's exactly right you know it's 100 percent. even though oh gosh we had record uh low unemployment uh we had no inflation uh the stock market was at you know at that time an all-time high and uh you know the, the pre-covid economy was just unbelievable and then of course trump helped crash his own economy because he's a germaphobe yeah and he just he, 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 he decided he that bought into some of this well right? he, he you know he bought into the idea that i'm sorry folks but you know statistically go find the statistics they're out there statistically covid 19 has been no worse in terms of fatalities setting aside people who died with covid i'm talking about people who died of COVID. It has been no worse than some of the historically bad, bad flu seasons. So not a bad flu season, but a bad, bad, bad flu season. Sure. That's how that's how dangerous COVID was. So I don't even think at this point it took out one percent of the population. I believe even if you say people who died with COVID and people who died of COVID and you added those two uh, or merge those two into one number, I still think it's under, um, it's, it's, it's well under uh, 3.3 million, which would be what 1% is. I think it's like 700, 800, maybe a million now, but it's nowhere even near 1%. And, and Trump was led to believe that COVID was perhaps going to kill as many as 10, 15, 20% of the population. Yeah. So he freaked out. And at the same time, you have to, this is like anything though, any statistical analysis, you have to, you have to explore the 365 degrees of it because other death rates plummeted. So we didn't have flu deaths, a heart attack, like right. everything sort of plummeted. And then you have to ask why, is that because people were staying at home? Was it because people they're calling the heart attack deaths, COVID deaths? It's like, there's all sorts of explanations, but uh, you're by and large, you're right. And I, I think, you know, back to your point about this Wednesday and what, what's really going down in the country. I have a little bit of faith now that maybe yeah. we can get back to center and we don't have to have a federal government cram down of everything we eat, drink, breathe, do, right. read, educate, etc. Right. And, uh, it, it's, uh, this idea that we can just blame Trump for everything on the the far left can just blame Trump for everything and, and just keep getting elected. Well, I don't think that's going to work anymore. And so if you're Joe Manchin, Steve, or Kristen Cinema, and you're looking at the results of this election, do you think this bodes well for them crumpling on the social spending 
part of the infrastructure bill? I'd say not. I'd say not. I'd yeah. say not. I think I think Joe Manchin, who was the a former governor of West Virginia, which, as you know, was part of Virginia until it was made its own state, he's got his finger on the pulse of of what's going on uh, in in and around what I would call you know normal suburban uh, normal middle class people people who just want the ability to get their little piece of the American dream, work a job, pay their mortgage, send their kids to a decent school, and whether they vote Republican or Democrat, hey. Just be free. Well, they're patriotic Americans. They love their country. They they love country music or rock and roll, and they love baseball and football, and, and, and they're of all colors, and God bless them all. God bless us all. And, and that's what Manchin's got his finger on. And he's like, no, man, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing the new green deal where we put even more lunch pail workers like coal miners and welders and truck drivers, you know, evil truck drivers, uh, you know, we're going to put them out of business and replace them with green, uh, robotic, um, you know, uh, vehicles. And so instead of human beings hauling freight, we're going to have robot autonomous trucks on the highway. And that's really where a lot of that infrastructure bill is going. They, they, they want to replace people doing things with autonomous, uh, devices. So where do those truck drivers, where, where do they go to earn a living? Where do welders, where do coal miners, where do uh, guys out there, uh, you know, dealing with the uh, oil derricks and drilling and, you know, your roustabout kinds of workers that, and those are good paying jobs. Where do those people go to replace that kind of job? Government dole. Well, go back to college and get a degree in marketing? Yeah, coding. Are you Coding. Yeah, coding. Yeah, go, go, right. go, go start computer right. coding. Right, and then get HB2 visaed by some coder yeah. in India that's doing the job you know, they, they yeah. you know, all, all Hollywood imports all these people on HB2 visas and replaces even American technology workers in Silicon Valley with HB2 cheaper imported labor. That's how patriotic Silicon Valley is and what? Disney and all those kinds of companies. They're what, not patriotic at all. What, what, what I really like about Manchin because and uh, to be sure, you know he he's there's there's a lot of stuff I disagree with policy wise with him. Sure, but he is describing the reality of this scenario better than anybody on either side of the yes, aisle. Yes, he is. He is just saying no. Yes, this is going to do nothing but increase inflation. Like we can't influx this much cash into the economy right now. Right, uh, inflation's out of control as it is. Right, um, how are we going to pay for this? You're saying that it's going to be free, but that's nonsense because it's got all these sunset provisions that are not going to be sunsetted. I mean, this is just this isn't real, and he's calling it out. Yeah. Not even the Republicans on the right are doing such a good job, or maybe they're not getting the the, the soapbox to do it. But he's calling it out very specifically, and then their response to him was. Well, um, what's her name? Uh, is it uh, uh, Corey? Bo- who was it? Well, I can't remember what her name was, but uh, it was somebody in the uh, on the far left, a, a Democratic Socialist, is saying, "Well, uh, then you don't support uh, racial equality. Then you don't support. Then oh, you're against the women. Then you're you're yeah. against this, and you're against that." Right. And he withstood that. He just said, "Look, nonsense." Yeah. Uh, I, you know, right. I'm not going to. So now these are threats. No, now I'm now I'm entrenched even more. 
Steve, I think one thing about Mansion that sets him apart from even uh, I, I, I'm trying to think uh, if I can if I can dredge up who in the Republican side of the of the Senate might be a former governor. It doesn't present immediately. I can't I can't think of one. I'm, there probably is one, but the one thing a governor has to do most states do not allow for deficit spending, and Ohio is one of them. You, you can have a rainy day fund. You could put money away, right? You could have a savings account, but you can't deficit spend. Most state constitutions will not let you do what the federal government does and deficit spend. Now, you know, is Illinois, New York, and California, are they broke because of their pension funds? Yeah, yeah they are on paper, and, you know, who would, who would loan them money? But in terms of the annual budget, Joe Manchin had to deal with fiscal realities, and I think that's part of what sets him apart. He's a guy that ran a state, had a discrete budget that he had to meet with so much income and then some, so much in, in expense column. And, and, and the two had to zero out at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and that's the kind, so he's a very, it, he's, he's almost as good as, um, you know, somebody who ran a business you know, and, and would step into the Senate and say, well, you know, we got to pay our bills in the private sector. And these people are rolling their eyes like, what do you mean pay the bills? We what, never pay the bills. What are you talking right. about? Right. We could defer that to future generations and yeah. screw those voters who, who haven't been born yet. And, and here's what's troubling to me about that. Even smart people, a good friend of mine said this. He goes, wow, deficit. I mean, who cares? We're all, they spend, there's enough money for everything else, so we just spend more. And it's become this like caution to the wind spending. Like we are so accustomed in this generation now to these huge deficits that we think there's no consequence. Right. And it's coming. Oh, yeah. The cows always come home to <laughs> Oh, yeah. Chickens always come home to well, roost. Well, on a very practical level, so if you take all of the money, this was a stat that was in that uh, Joseph Ellis book uh, that we've been uh, talking about. So if you take, uh, th- this little statistic is, is uh, from uh, 2018, so it's a few years old. We've spent more money since. But he, he uses the point that if you took all of the money that I would say we wasted trying to nation build in Iraq and, and Afghanistan, that money would have paid for Medicare and Medicaid for 10 years. That money would have paid to rebuild our entire infrastructure, uh, just what we spent in those two countries. I mean, that is a remarkable. So, so when you think of what we've deprived ourselves of as a country in order to project some kind of utopian fantasy that, that we were going to create many Americas in places that there just are there are no seedlings there for right. building a republic or building a democracy. It's, it's uh, well, beyond that, though. We've done that domestically. Um, yes, we have. Right. And, and right now, right? There's so lots now of the, examples. This right. news now coming out that uh, I don't know, I confess I don't know the details of it because it's all been, I've seen some wishy-washy adverbs and, and descriptions of it. Oh, uh, don't tell me you're talking about the family separation, half million, almost half a million. 450 grand, yeah. 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 To right. families who are separated as right. some sort of payout. It um, makes me want to renounce my citizenship, right? Go, go find a Mexican bride. Right. And then be separated. And then be separated at the border. Right. Okay. Find, find, oh, hey, I have a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just come see you. I'll take a third. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a third. I mean, no, it's. I mean, really, people? 
and, uh, uh, again, that's it, sort it of a red herring. It was criminal activity. They, they came across illegally. It's sort of, it's, but again, I, I confess my ignorance on this because there are some, it says up to 450000 It says considering paying. It says settle lawsuits. So I don't know all the facts and circumstances. Well, here's, oh, here's one. It, we need to add just an asterisk to your 450, Steve. It was 450 per pu- per person, but a, a, a million dollars cap per family. <sighs> So in other words, if, if, if it's three kids that were separated, it's not 450 times three, it would be, they would cap it. Oh, isn't that great? At a million dollars per family. And then I want to know who's representing them. Unbelievable. Because I, that's like I said, I'll take a third. Right. You know, I started to think about this, like, so there's a lawsuit. That means the lawyers are involved. That means some sort of special interest group is involved. Somebody's taking a cut of that money. Oh, for sure. This is a, this is a grift somewhere, somehow. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and an NGO somewhere yep. is behind this and it's funding them. Yeah. So sure. somewhere just there's like Planned a, Parenthood, just all yeah. those kinds of games, just like we found out on the Wuhan, you know, lab yeah. research that, you know, the, 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 finally the NIH director's office finally issued a letter and says, well, maybe, yeah, Fauci did kind of give money to, uh, uh, you know, to a, to a research organization and they should have come and told us, but it really wasn't that important. And I can sort of see how it fell through the cracks and, and American minds are just exploding across the country when they finally realize, are you telling us, <laughs> are you, I mean, this is just as crazy as the border thing. Are you telling us, I'm sorry for the stream of consciousness, but I just got to get this out. Are you telling us for real that the American government funded gain-of-function research. In other, other words, make, taking viruses that are dangerous already, you know, from some bat cave, and making them even more hyper-dangerous, we funded that with the Chinese Communist Party at a military ref- research facility for the Chinese army. And it, it, our tax dollars funded that, and then, wow, a couple years later, here comes COVID-19. Oh, but the two cannot in any way be connected. No, there's no possibility that there's any nexus between one story and the other. Well, here's what's interesting. I'm going to bring on. it right back home to where Come we started. In, in law school and then as a trial lawyer, I in, in some of my education before that too, but particularly it was ex- this, this, what I'm about to talk about was exposed in real life with real life consequences when I started to try cases. If you ask certain witnesses, a lot of times they're law enforcement because they're professional witnesses. They've done it time and time and time again in my work. There's other witnesses, like some experts in civil cases, I'm sure. But you have to be very careful what you're asking. And if you leave even the slightest wiggle room that they can say no to an answer that you think is yes, they will do it. And what they're really doing is in their heads defining terms a certain way defining what it, what you are saying a certain way. And if you use the wrong word and they say, well, no, you said this. Now, if you had asked me that, I would have said yes. Oh, the classic is the deposition of Clinton, right? Clinton's a classic example. Se- I did not have sexual relations well, with that woman. It depends what the definition of is. Right. Is. I mean. And it's. Come on. This is a technique that I, my, I remember my dad saying this early on. I was in. um college and, and I don't remember what the, the, the situation was. He goes, you have to be careful these days because they are redefining terms. Yeah. And then everything after that seems to follow. Right. So if you define 
uh, sexual relations not to include fellatio, then everything else after that follows. And who would think to say, who would think that that doesn't mean that? Right. But, and this is, this goes back even further to my education before law school, when we still had to do things like read Plato and soccer and about his dialogues about Socrates. And there's one called Gorgias where, you know, it has to do, it's actually very, I can go into a long discussion about that. But the takeaway would be this is that if you can't agree, agree definitionally on terms, right. Then there is no rational discussion that right. can result. Right. Right. Um, now that had to do with that dialogue had more to do with something called the rhetorics and, um, and, and actually very relevant to lawyers making arguments in a courtroom. But uh, if you if you if you argue with virtue on your side or just argue and you're good at arguing, but irrespective of that, there was some discussion in there about agreement on definitional terms. And if you can't agree, if one side changes the definitions in their own heads, even if you don't and you don't know it. And there is no discussion after that. Nothing is accomplished. I agree. And you can right. you can reduce everything to this blurry mishmash. Right. And that's what's going on right now. We're not teaching uh, this theory in schools because we're calling it something else. But you're teaching that theory in sc- the substance of it is there. Uh, and I learned that as a result of my critical thinking training in law school and my classic liberal education in sure. college. Yeah, it's a trope. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just uh, it's it's word games. And I think the American public, this this uh, uh, election result uh, here in Virginia uh, demonstrates uh, pretty clearly that the American public is starting to dismiss out of hand what used to work in politics, the, the race baiting, the, you know, you're a white supremacist uh, or you're, uh, I mean, they've said that about black guys. So you got Larry Elder running for the governor of California, right? And, and and he and he has a number of very conservative policies, tax cuts, uh, you know, secure the border, et cetera, et cetera, and, and re- reduce uh, you know government uh, spending in in California and get a, get that state back to the great state that it used to be. And the, the L.A. Times calls him a white supremacist. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, even beyond that, like, I mean, it's unbelievable. He's at least a public figure. Um, but these people, like, there's been all races uh, pounding the table at these uh, school board meetings. But to your point, Steve, yeah. about definitions, sure. We, we Bull Connor, right, yeah. right, right. Bull Connor was a white supremacist. I mean, yeah. we, we we all know what white supremacist. You know, uh, the, 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 the you know the the Klan, the you know the the. the, the uh, we, we all know what a white supremacist is. So they've just changed the definition of white supremacist to mean if you don't agree with our policies, then you're a white supremacist. That's unbelievable. And, and, they, and the public's just not buying it. it you know, there, there's a, an old expert in this stuff. His um, his name was Josie Wales. He was an outlaw back during the yeah. civil, like, post-Civil War. No, the outlaw Josie Wales, was an, he had a quote. It's like, don't piss down my neck and tell me it's raining. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, that's that's what this is. And I think that's this right. is what people are saying. Hold on a second. Yeah. I don't agree with you, and I know I'm not a racist. Yeah, right. So what's wrong? Yeah. Right. And now people are starting to stand up to it. You know, Chappelle stood up to it. Sure. In his thing. And the more people stand up to that nonsense right. and don't back down, the, it'll stop it. It will. It, it has really? to happen at the individual level. Where Look, people have... Anybody who knows Norm knows Norm is not a racist. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not a racist. I don't go proclaim it everywhere. I don't need to. Well, and um, as we become more blended, Steve... As we become more of a tan country, if you will, and it'll happen. It it, it should. The, the, the seeds for the destruction of this liberal trope 
you know, these accusations that, you know, if 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 you wanna if you wanna discuss um, affirmative action or you wanna discuss reparations or you wanna discuss uh, inner city spending or assistance to traditionally uh, black universities and colleges or you wanna discuss minimum minimum mandatory sentencing for uh, drug infractions and and uh, pardons and all these things that, for example, the last administration got into. If you want to discuss those things, that we should, that if if you have a point of view that differs from Antifa's or differs from BLM's, you're automatically in this set of hateful people. The seeds for that, we were all hoping Obama was going to be the end of that. You know, he could have been the Messiah, the half white, half black guy that really brought us together. And instead, he divided us even more because apparently he loved the dreams of his father more than the dreams of his mother and, you know, and, and wrote a book about it. Well, and ultimately, you, you just gave me a thought. I'd have to sort it out. I haven't, this is coming stream of consciousness, but that ideology requires the opposite of what you're talking about, the opposite of blending. It requires segregation. That's right. Otherwise, everybody blends, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Right. I'm part of this. We're all part of the same right. thing. This, we're Americans. I'm at the prom yeah. for Ohio State University. I'm not at the white prom. I'm not at the black prom. Right. I'm at the prom, and that's what Brown v. Board, I mean, if you go all the way back to Brown v. Board, that's what it was that dis- segregated schools was not just it was not constitutional mm-hmm. it it that's what brown v board decided now it was a very activist opinion and bork and you know scalia and and and, and clarence thomas th- they can have very uh principled disagreements with how it was decided perhaps it could have been decided referring back to the declaration of independence more than to the constitution and and find a different way to have a living document that way but it certainly wasn't originalist let's put it that way but if you believe in brown v board that segregation is wrong the resegregation that we're undergoing today is outrageous yeah it's outrageous it's unbelievable that that we want to go back to segregated dormitories and segregated neighborhoods and well, say, it's the unbelievable. ideology re- mandates it because if we all get along at the individual level yeah it blows and, up and we all blend at the individual right. level i don't care if you marry uh somebody who is purple it doesn't right. matter to me right. i could care less and i think the government should care even less than that right and if uh but if that happens then it gets really difficult to start accusing people of being racist yeah, absolutely. You know, it's right. like, and it's happening. It is happening. It is happening. I mean, look, we're all mixed breeds. Yeah. All of us. For sure. We all are. I, I, um, there is no question I have African-American ancestry. My, my fa- Half of my family came from the Middle East, and there's just no question that if my DNA was analyzed, the, the, the commerce between the human commerce taking place in the Middle East vis-a-vis Africa, there's no question. Yeah. And that's fine, and that's great. And I'm... I'm neither proud nor not proud. It's just who I am, and it just at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter to anybody. It's 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 an interesting, um, and then we we probably wrap it up after this. I, I could go off on this because it's uh, as a I, I was adopted, and I remember I had close friends when I was growing up who were Italians. Sure, I had close friends. Uh, and later on, I met friends who were Irish, 
in college. Met somebody who was like clearly identified as British in college, uh, German. Uh, and, you know, we were all Americans, I suppose, but they had that sort of ethnic identity to them that they brought to the table. Right. And uh, we, I remember thinking to myself, man, that's pretty cool because I had no idea what I was. I mean, it I, is just, cool. I, I didn't, I didn't even know. It is cool. Um, but we're the only country where you can be something else and become an American. Right. And it's, it's, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable, r- remarkable thing sure. that these are Italians, these are Irish, these are this, these are this. And they have that, that strong ethnic connection to their background, whether it's African American, whether it's this, whether it's this, whether right. it's this. Um, but then we can all be Americans together. Right. That only works if you let it work. If the government gets in the way of that and doesn't let it happen, then it will be a disaster. If you pit one against the other, it's a disaster. It has to work. Um, and I don't necessarily know where I'm going with this, except what is what some of this uh, ideology is pushing is the opposite of that. All right. Um, you have to be what you are, and you can't blend in as Americans, uh, despite what you are, and still cling on to your ancestry, but we're all Americans together. And right. that is the solution through this. And everybody should love everybody else. Literally. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the deal with it. And I don't know, you know, I think Virginia, it, it may, hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a little prophecy here to what's coming that oh, we're going to go. I think it's a, a foreshadowing of the midterms. Yep. And for sure. We're going to come back to center a little bit. Nancy and, needs, um, all she needs are five Democrats to defect on her vote. Uh, and I think, and I think they're going to defect. They might. Uh, know, there's probably know. there's probably 50, what I would call rational, uh, middle of the road, could have been born a Republican, but they were born Democrat. It's just who their families raised them as, and and so they they come from you know those kinds of blue areas of of the country, like Joe Manchin. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, p- people like that that are in the House of Representatives. And last, and they want to keep their jobs. They want to be congressmen. Right, they're politicians, right? They, That's they right. They have to answer and their they're, votes. they're looking at that vote that Nancy's going to put up to them. They ain't going to vote for it. She's, I think Nancy's, she's going to keep pushing it. I think she, I think she, as of last night, I think she lost her majority. She, she very well may have. Yeah. Well, um, good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny how the show has evolved, like, um, you know, from different people, different personalities. So it's, uh, we take on everything and, uh, that's why I started to do some of the other more legal specific. Cause I love doing this. I can talk about this stuff all day. This is a blast. And, uh, Norm, you have, uh, you're about as educated as anyone I have met, uh, well-read, uh, and, and have the, the, the chops to back it up. So awesome. It's, it's a, it's a good mix. Well, Steve, what, what I like about your format is I feel like I'm engaging in, you know, uh, public square speechifying you know, Abe mm-hmm. Lincoln would call it, uh, where you, there are no banishments. It's just good-hearted people of goodwill discussing what they think, being open to your opinions that might be different than mine and me listening to you and perhaps changing my viewpoint after processing what what any guest or, or other opinion would be presented. And that's really the, the definition of classical liberal education is listening to all points of view, no safe spaces, the, yep. no, no ban speech. Uh, you can listen to the crackpots, digest what the crackpots say and dismiss it. But at the same time, be open to people that come from different cultures than yours 
And that's the beauty of America. That's what I always thought was the best part of this melting pot metaphor is that the best ideas from African Americans, the best ideas from Irish Americans, the best ideas from Mexican Americans, all different Polish Americans, whatever. And it all gets titrated, it all gets filtered, it all gets interwoven. And what we end up with are just these, these masterpieces of, of, of American ingenuity and at its best, the spirit that we all get along, we all tolerate, we all even, if to use the modern words, we all even celebrate. So, you know, heck, if they're, if they're having Oktoberfest or there's a Mexican uh, cultural fest or if there's the, the jazz and blues and, and we're celebrating African-American contributions to the arts, I go to all those. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Right. They're and it, awesome. And it all becomes all American. Awesome. That's right. Yeah, it all becomes Now, here's the danger. Uh, all we need to do is read the uh, rise and fall of the Roman Empire, because in, and to simplify it, basically, here's what happens. And I'm no expert in, in Roman history, but if, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Roman Empire was able to grow and expand and maintain because they didn't exact individual control over the conquered territories they let them they let them be local they let them they let them operate and they didn't cram down their ideas from the home city onto what was going on in britain you know they didn't do it and it, and they would even they would even uh make foreigners in other words countries they conquered those people could through tribute, through whatever, 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 process whatever they, had, yeah. they could become ro- full Roman citizens. And that was, uh, you know, there's, there's a huge, I'm drawing a huge parallel that maybe isn't uh, exactly appropriate, but that's what we had with federalism. You know, we have this vast country with all these individual cultures all around sort of sorting together right. where they can and where, you know, maybe even, uh, uh, sorting away from people at certain times, but they were able to, they, the freedom lets them operate lets them be, lets them exercise uh, their religion, lets them exercise their free speech, lets them do things that they want to do and not do things they don't want to do. And the country survives because of that. If you start taking over 511 South High from the CDC, then it is what destroyed, that is what destroyed the Roman Empire when they, when they stopped let live and let live. Right. And uh, it, it, then things got out of control and, you know, they turned into the Byzantine Empire. It, it just, it all died. But uh, anyway, so we've just solved the world problems yet again right here at Lawyer Talk. And, you know, if you've been listening, you've checked out the other series, you've checked out all of it, um, send us a question over at LawyerTalkPodcast.com. You can always look me up at uh, Yavich and Palmer at OhioLegalDefense.com. There's an interface or email interface or portals or whatever you would call it in both places. You can also put this number in your phone because, you know, let's face it, uh, football in, uh, in full force, holidays right around the corner. Who doesn't like to get drunk on Thanksgiving weekend and get in trouble? Uh, Christmas right around the corner. Lots of opportunity to have fun. Lots of opportunity to get in trouble. So 614-224-6142. That's 614-224-6142. Why am I telling you that? So you put it in your phone right now. You don't have to remember it. Just remember it long enough to put it in your phone. That way, all you have to do is hit send. If something bad happens, I will be there at the ready. Live people answering the phone 24-7. Now, better than that, and let's talk positively, if you want your own podcast like Norm's going to start here real soon, uh, you go to channel511.com. 
uh, look us up. You can give us, uh, we'll be happy to meet with you. Uh, Brett at Circle 270 Media couldn't be here this morning, but man, he's uh, he's signing a podcast left and right. Soon there won't be another time or another recording slot at the studio, so get in now. Uh, whether it's a business podcast, a, a fun one, sports one, uh, meals and entertainment one, whatever, pick your category, pick your podcast, we can help. Uh, if you want to sit at our round table uh, to uh, argue with Norm about all his uh, crazy ideas, well, we encourage that too. As long as you're civil, so will we be. And if you're not civil, we'll kick you out. Um, but we'll certainly listen to what you got to say, and I'd love to debate it. Uh, at one point uh, before the pandemic, we were going to do the uh, debate series, and maybe we'll uh, dust that back off. So anyway, this has been Lawyer Talk off the record, but on the air, at least until now. <laughs>